Have you been interested in trying the new cutting-edge technology of exogenous ketones but didn't know where to get started? Let me introduce you to Perfect Keto. Visit perfectketo.com jimmy and use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto was created by a functional medicine clinician who developed this unique formula for maximum efficacy. It's great tasting and the most affordable exogenous ketone supplement you can find that raises blood ketone levels up to 1.5 millimolar to help increase mental focus, boost your energy, and commence fat burning. It does not contain any soy, dairy, gluten, artificial sweeteners, binding agents, or anything that doesn't directly improve your health. The synergistic power of a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat ketogenic diet with Perfect Keto Exogenous Ketones will have your body running optimally. Perfect Keto is available in delicious chocolate sea salt and peaches and cream flavors. Each serving comes with 11.38 grams of high-quality beta-hydroxybutyrate for maximum ketone boosting while adding in magnesium, potassium, cocoa, stevia, and vitamin C for extra micronutrition. Again, try Perfect Keto for yourself at perfectketo.com jimmy and be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto. LoveMyTummy.com LoveMyTummy.com Why am I saying this? Living low carb is a choice you are making because you care about your health and you love your tummy. But sometimes even the best choices in the food we eat will still lead to times when you find yourself feeling bloated or having that heavy feeling after a meal and you just don't know what to do. Diet changes, probiotics, and even medications are helping some, but you can't find real relief. Well, let me introduce you to Atrantine developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist to naturally address issues such as bloating, SIBO, IBS, leaky gut, and improve and protect cellular digestive health. Atrantil is all-natural, over-the-counter, works within the bowel, is very well tolerated, and has no known drug interactions. Published clinical trials have shown that better than four out of five people that suffer from digestive symptoms will find relief with Atrantil. Backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. So love yourself, love your health, and visit lovemytummy.com. Be sure to use the coupon code JIMMY for 15% off of your order. Even the name is proven to make you feel better. Atrontil. Coming up in episode 1287, Dr. Andreas Ehrenfeldt. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author you're like the LL Cool J of podcast Jimmy Moore Today's featured audio is from the 2016 Low Carb USA Conference that took place in San Diego, California. Go to lowcarbusa.org to get more information about this year's event coming up August 3rd through the 6th, 2017. 
This is a recent crime scene. A truck driver is getting arrested, and the crime is illegal smuggling of butter. <laughs> so, on the border to a, a small country in northern Europe, why would anybody smuggle butter into a country? Well, it's because there's no butter in the stores, because people ate it all, and they want more. So, how did this strange story start? Well, it started... 30 years ago in the year, uh, 32 years ago in the year 1984, the year that George Orwell wrote about fittingly in this uh, novel about Big Brother, right? Uh, and in the same year, Big Brother sort of, or at least the American government, started telling the American people to fear fat and to fear cholesterol with no real evidence that it would help prevent heart disease that people have thought. And of course, looking back now, we can see that, you know, if you eat a lot less fat, you will eat more of something else, carbohydrates, right? Raising your blood sugars, raising your blood insulin levels, the fat-storing hormone. And this is what happened. This is obesity statistics from the U.S. in, in 1985, the year after this campaign was launched. How many people have seen these striking statistics? Let's have a quick look at them. This is the number of Americans with a BMI over 30, so obese. Um, and in the blue states, there, ha there is uh, over 10% obesity. And in the white states, there's no clear data. Let's move ahead two years. Check out if you can see the difference. 87 89, 91, 93, 95. And you can see something is happening rapidly. These dark blue states, there were none of them just a decade ago. And then that's over 15% obesity. So quite a rapid increase in just one decade. What happened after that? 97, 99, 01, 03. 05, 07, 09, 2011, and 2014, the last, last data we have. So this is crazy, right? The yellow states, that's over 20% obesity, twice what it was just a few decades before. And orange, over 25, red, over 30, and dark red, over 35. So obesity has become common in America three times more in just one generation. That's not a genetic mutation, of course. That's something in the environment that happens to vulnerable people. And it's just getting worse. Extreme obesity is exploding in the US and in many parts of the world. So how can we stop this? How, do we, how can we turn it around? Well, maybe we can learn something from where I come from, which is a, a small country in northern Europe called Sweden. And there are nine million Swedes, and we are known for three things. First, of course, the pop group ABBA. <laughs> Everybody loves them. And then um, number two, the Nobel Prize. And then now number three fad diets. This is from a, a, an article in the journal Lancet a few years ago where they were horrified by this you know, fad diet in Sweden of all places was the headline. And they were horrified by the popularity of a diet called 
LCHF, meaning low carb, high fat. And you can see immediately it must be toxic, right? To eat these very, very weird foods for humans. We should obviously eat something that comes in a box instead. Um, or not. So this is really important in Sweden as well because we have had a similar um, evolution as, as in the US. This is uh, statistics over the, the sales of butter in Sweden from 1985 to the left to 2000, uh, 2008. You can see it goes down to less than half. And of course, when you eat a lot less butter, you end up with fewer calories and you're supposed to lose weight, right? So here is statistics of the overweight and obesity prevalence in, in Sweden in the same period in blue. And you can see the lines follow each other almost perfectly, except they're like mirror images. Um, so just like in the US, when we got the advice to avoid fat and eat more carbs instead, which is what you do, we gained weight as well. So uh, in the last few years, you can see the, the, the butter sales uh, line is, is turning upwards in 2008. Let's check out what happened after that. It's quite a nice comeback for butter. It's actually going up really quickly in the US now too. But when you eat a lot more butter, of course you're going to get obese, right? So let's check out this line. No. In, 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 instead, it's, it's halted. You know, it's, it's getting worse all around the world, everywhere. But not in Sweden. It's, it's stopped. Maybe it's going to turn around. Uh, the, last, the last data point is actually pointing downwards, so could be. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to turn around everywhere. It's just a question of time. How long is it going to take? How long is it going to take for us to see the mistakes that we've done, you know, and, and, and correct them? So it's not, it's not easy to do, but it can be done, and it will be done. This thing in Sweden started a decade ago with a small, sort of tiny event. It started with uh, another uh, family doctor called Annika Dahlquist, and she had been struggling with her weight for her entire life. And then she found a low-carb diet, and she lost a lot of weight without, suddenly without even being hungry. And she got really interested in this, started reading more about it, learning more, and then she started giving the same advice to her patients. And suddenly, people with obesity started losing weight without being hungry. People with diabetes started to reverse their disease, getting off drugs instead of adding drugs. So Annika was, was really intrigued by this, and she started a blog in Sweden, and she ended up in the papers and in the uh, TV, and a lot of people took this up. And, of course, not everybody thought that this was a great idea. I mean, 10 years ago, people thought this was insane, right? So a couple of dietitians in Sweden, they, they notified the National Board of Health and Welfare, the, the main authority for, for the medical system in Sweden. And what they could do is they could tell Annika to stop doing this immediately, and they could you know, give her a warning, or they could even revoke her, her medical license. And so it became important for them to know that they did the right thing, right? So they did a, an investigation because they, they, they quickly realized that, hey, this is not so obvious, really. There's no good science to show that this is a bad idea. Um, not obviously so. So they made an, uh, an investigation looking through all the science, and it took two years until in January of 2008 they came with their conclusion. And this was like a, 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 
revolution in the debate in Sweden. And it ended up in, in all the papers and all the TV channels because they said that low-carb diets can today be seen as compatible with scientific evidence and best practice for losing weight and for people with diabetes. Because a number of studies have shown an effect, at least in the short term, and no evidence of harm has emerged. So this is sort of the, the opposite of what people have always been saying, right? And it's coming from the sort of government agency. Instead of saying this is a dangerous fad diet, they say, hey, there's proof that it works, and we don't know any, any evidence that, it, that it's dangerous. So this started the popularity for real in, in Sweden. And you can, you can track this in different ways. Uh, Google has a nice uh, function where you can track how, how people search online for different topics, different search terms. So if you look in Sweden and you look at all the sort of popular diets for losing weight, improving health, these are like the five top ones in the last few decades. Low-carb, high-fat, low-GI diets, paleo diets, intermittent fasting, and, and, and Weight Watchers, which is, you know, obviously uh, counting calories and all that. So if you look at uh, the first few years here after this report was released in, in 2008, you can see the blue line. It wasn't even, you know, nobody almost was searching for it before that. But then it starts going up, and in, in a few years it becomes the most popular diet of all in Sweden. And, and, and looking ahead, it's sort of got into territory where no other diet has ever been when it comes to popularity online. It's actually more popular than the other ones in the top five combined, which is, is something. And of course, you can see it peaks sort of in 2012 and that's uh, and 13, and, and that's when this was uh, in the papers, like on the front pages of the papers, like almost every month or sometimes even every week and on, on the TV all the time. Uh, and then, of course, media sort of gets bored because it's not new anymore. So after a few years, it's sort of, it's not that interesting to put on the front page anymore. But still, still, you know, year after year, it's it's by far the most popular one, and still more popular than, than all of the other in the top five combined. So I think that speaks to you know, how well it works for a lot of people. Even when it's not hot in the media, it still remains very popular because people can see people who, that, it, that it works for and, and, and they want to try it themselves. And that's because you know, it does work. That's what, what the, the data shows. So a while ago, 23% of Swedes in a, in a survey said they were on a low-carb diet. And, and that's why we had a, a butter shortage. And even in our neighboring country of Norway, they had a, a butter shortage. And it even ended up in the TV here in the States. <laughs> Stephen Colbert had a, a report about the terrible Norwegian butter shortage uh, and eating butter just to spite them. And this is a... a newspaper ad uh, from Norway from, from that period. If, if you buy an Audi R8, really luxury car, um, you will have uh, a pound of butter for free. <laughs> and of course, it's, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, but it, it wasn't that extreme, the, the, the shortage. And uh, you can ask, of course, is this a fad diet, even though it's, you know, 
remained popular for years and years and years. Is it still a fad? I would say no, of course, for, for a very simple reason, just because it works. It's been proven to work, and there's tons of experience showing that it works. So today, we can safely ask the other question, is low fat a fad? Even though it's been, been sort of the mainstream advice for at least 30 years, is it 30 years of a fad diet? Because this is based, or you know, even if you if you look at the MyPlate, same thing, it's, it's based on this old idea that fat in the diet raises the cholesterol in the blood, leading to heart disease, right? But we know now that there's simply no evidence, and there never was for that ever being true. There's no significant evidence, for example, in, in this paper, looking at all observational studies. There's not even a, a correlation between heart disease and saturated fat in all these studies. And, and lots of people are saying it. It's, you know, it's not just the people at this conference. There's a professor in Sweden's biggest newspaper. He said that two generations of Swedes have been given bad dietary advice and have avoided fat for no reason it's time to rewrite the dietary guidelines and base them on modern science. And I couldn't agree more. So, uh, uh, and that's what the science shows. There's really no correlation between butter and, and heart disease. But what about this nice experiment? We actually started eating a lot more butter. So what happened to heart disease? Did it go up? No. We have perfect statistics in Sweden. We're really good at boring stuff like that. So this is official statistics of every Swede. And what you can see in these two lines is the top one is number of heart attacks for males, and the bottom one is, is number of heart attacks for females. It's just plummeting. So, and you can, you can do fun stuff with this. It's no proof, of course, but, but you know, it's fun to look at. So we have the graph of butter consumption. It's gone up by two times, and at the same time, you know, heart, uh, heart disease has been halved in, in prevalence. And, and this, you, you couldn't get lines like this if there was a correlation. Now we know with the science that there is none, so this is, this is just an illustration of that. There's a paradigm shift going on from the idea that saturated fat is bad for us to see that it's safe to eat saturated fat, not that you have to eat it, uh, but you don't have to fear it. And from the idea that carbs are always good to the idea that too much carbs can make you obese and sick in the long term if you, if you are sensitive to it. And another Swedish professor has said this well. He said that um, it's time to face the facts. There is no connection between saturated fats and cardiovascular disease. So, how far have we gotten in Sweden? How many people have seen this, this article online? It, it's been you know, shared like 50,000 times, even more now, I think. So that Sweden becomes the first Western nation to reject low-fat uh, low diet dogma in favor of low-carb, high-fat nutrition. So, what it basically said is, suddenly in Sweden, we now give... Uh, the recommendation to every man, woman, and child to eat low-carb and high-fat forever. Uh, and there's only one problem, uh, well, two problems, actually. It's not true, and, and uh, 
even if it was true, it probably is something we don't really have the evidence to, to support anyway. So what we're really talking about in this article is this report, Dietary Treatment for Obesity, that came out uh, almost three years ago now, where the Swedish government looked at all the science for you know, treating obesity with a dietary uh, intervention. And they concluded, as you can see in Swedish, everybody who knows Swedish here? Few people, yeah. We can we can translate it. It says, you know, low carb, high fat is best for quick weight loss. It's most effective for obesity, uh, and um, yeah, the most effective diet. So this is what they con concluded. Looking at all the scientific trials that have been made, you know, if you want to lose weight, the low carb diet is more effective, at least as long as you do it. But that is not the same thing as saying that everybody needs to eat it for life. You know, for, for starters, this is only data from people with obesity, right? Not everybody has obesity. So it's not the same thing, but it's still, it's still very good, I think. It's a report saying it's the best diet for treating obesity, and that's, you know, that's something still. And that's based on a lot of scientific studies. There are many, many randomized controlled trials comparing low-carb and low-fat for weight loss, and, and the result is, is very clear at least 20 times, depending on, on you know, where you draw the line for, for low-carb. Um, a low-carb diet has been shown to be significantly more effective, and a low-fat diet has never been shown to be more effective. And, and depending on where you draw the line, there is actually a, a list from, the, um, from, a, from a UK organization saying it's 26 studies now, if you draw the line at 130 grams of carbs per day, so it's not that very low carb, but you know, maybe even 26 studies. And this sort of, this matters because when someone with a weight issue goes to their health provider and they say, I want help with this, you know, what kind of advice do they get? Well, the standard advice still is to say, eat less, run more, watch out for fat because it's a lot of calories. And that is the advice that always loses in these studies, when you test it, it's not a good idea. But still, they get that bad advice. And, and what happens? Well, they fail. It's, I mean, most people fail. We know most people fail. And they come back, and they say, it didn't work for me. Do you have something else I can do? And you'd think, well, at least then they would be recommended, yeah, try a low-carb diet. It's actually better in, 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 according to the science. But no, no. They get something else. What do they get? They say, we can cut away your stomach. We can do gastric bypass surgery. It's very effective. Recommend it. So, and this, this has become a, 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 one of the most popular surgeries in the world. And I think it's time to start thinking whether this is actually reasonable. Because is there a disease in the stomach, in the intestines, that we cut away? No. These are healthy organs that we are removing, right? It's got to be something wrong when you do that to tons of people. And what we're actually trying to do is to surgically change our bodies to sort of tolerate the industrial food supply a little bit better instead of adapting the food so that it's, it fits our, our bodies. <laughs> it, it, it's strange, right? And the most common argument for this is that 
the people who end up on the operating table, well, they already tried everything else. There is nothing else. This is the final solution. It's the only thing we can do. But it's not true. I have heard so many stories where it's not true. And this is just, just one of them. This is Johanna Engström. And when she passed 40, she had been struggling with her weight for ages. And she felt that, you know, now it's time to do something powerful against it. So, so she asked her doctor, can I do the, the surgery? And he said, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll send you to a, a surgical center and, and do it. And she ended up in, on the waiting list. And then, you know, after quite some time of waiting, because this is Sweden, <laughs> uh, with socialized medicine, uh, which is good in some, some ways, but not for doing stuff quickly, uh, eventually she got there. And she, she went to a city with her, with her, her, her family, and they, they checked into a hotel, and she went to the, um, to the hospital, and the next morning, early the next morning, she was going to be rolled into surgery. But that night, she felt that she couldn't do it. She got sort of panic and, and felt that it just felt wrong for her. She couldn't go through with it. So she went out to the, to the staff uh, in the ward and she said, I'm, I'm really, really sorry, but I just can't do this. You'll, you'll have to give the surgery to someone else. I'm sorry. And then she went home to her family. And the next day, she started eating low-carb, high-fat, which is something she's been considering for a long time, but she never gave it, gave it a serious, serious try. And she actually asked her doctor, is a, a low-carb, high-fat diet, is that something for me? And he said, no, don't do it. It's dangerous, and it doesn't work. But she tried it anyway. And in one year, she lost more than 100 pounds without feeling hungry and with all of her organs intact. And you'd wish that more people could not just, you know, have to do this themselves, but actually get support instead of being stopped, you know, by the people who are trying to help them. Do you want to test for breath ketones and need a breath ketone analyzer to do that? Then let me introduce you to the first reusable breath ketone analyzer. It's called Ketonics, K-E-T-O-N-I-X. Ketonics.com is their website, and you've heard me talking about them here for years, and now they have a brand new technology that I think you're going to like. It's the Ketonics Bluetooth with battery. This is the latest version of Ketonics that's come out here in 2016. It connects with the latest iOS and Android software, and it's available for mobile devices like smartphones and tablet. It is a reusable instrument that can be used thousands of times, and you can record your breath ketones locally on your mobile device, smartphone, tablet, or online account at ketonics.com. You can anonymously contribute your data to studies of ketogenic diets. So again, it's the brand new Ketonics Bluetooth. Head on over to ketonics.com and get the latest and greatest version of Ketonics. There are three superfoods no one should ever eat. Dr. Stephen Gundry, who is one of America's leading heart surgeons, reveals the foods that may be toxic to your body and might be draining your energy. Many of these foods are being marketed as superfoods for your health. These foods might be draining your energy, making you fatigued, causing you to gain weight, and lowering your metabolism. Luckily, Dr. Gundry has come out with a new solution to help with fatigue. Go to GetEnergy53.com to find out. That's getenergy 53 Dot com. 
And so, so why, why don't we give that sort of advice to our patients more often in, in the medical system? Well, it's because to a lot of people, this is, you know, having an omelette for breakfast. Are you kidding? That's way too extreme. We can't, we can't do that. That's an extreme diet. We're doing science, so we are going to cut these healthy organs away and throw them in the garbage um, to, like, a third of the population or whatever. We're never going to recommend them to eat this sort of dangerous natural food that doesn't even come in a box. That's, that's how sick it is today. It's actually true. This is today, you know cited today. And it can get worse because what do you do when people do this surgery and then they lose a lot of weight and then they regain a lot of weight, which is very common. What do you do? Well, of course you can do other surgery, like implanting brain electrodes. They're actually experimenting with that. Brain electrodes into the reward system of the brain telling the brain you don't want to eat. You don't. That, you know, nothing says 1984 like brain electrodes. <laughs> You know, telling us what to do. And, and if that wasn't bad enough, there's actually a Swedish, I'm a bit ashamed now, but there's a Swedish company, and this is FDA, FDA approved now in the US. They have this tube that they put into the stomach. You know, it hangs out under your, your shirt, right? And, and the idea is that you, you go eat your food, and then you go to the toilet, and you pull out the tube, and you pour the food into the toilet, flush it, and you're done, right? So this is like doctor-prescribed bulimia, right? This is actually just the same thing, which is, it blows my mind uh, thinking about it because you don't even have to go through that surgical procedure to get a tube into your stomach because you already have a tube to your stomach. <laughs> it's called the esophagus, right? Yeah, it doesn't get more crazy than that to me. Here's a friend of mine called Ronnie Mattisan. I, I didn't know him when this picture was taken a number of years ago, but I know him now. And, and he wrote on his Facebook page, he got tired of, of struggling with his weight, and he, he wrote on his Facebook page, can you lose 20 pounds in 10 weeks? Is it possible? And, and a friend answered him that, yeah, it's possible with a low-carb, high-fat diet. And he decided, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. And he, he did something not so common. He took a picture of himself in his underwear before and after, and he put it into his, his computer to make it calculate what it looked like in between. So like a morph between those images. Let's have a look at it. This is Ronnie while he's eating all he needs to not be hungry and still losing weight. So check it out from the side. It's pretty cool, right? He lost 70 pounds in nine months. And he actually did lose 20 pounds in the first 10 weeks, so his friend was right. And of course, you know, most of you know that low-carb is not always this simple for people, not always this effective. But to a lot of people, it can be. And at least they should get the opportunity to try it, to see if it works this well. And it's not just about weight. Let's talk about something perhaps even more important for a little while, which is diabetes. And you know, diabetes is you have too much sugar in your blood. So where does the sugar in the blood come from? Well, it comes, of course, from the food that we eat, from the carbohydrates that we eat, right? Which is 
something to keep in mind when you consider this statistic. In 1985, we had 30 million type 2 diabetics in the world. Today, there are 450, so 13 times more, 14 times more. <laughs> in, in just one generation. It's, it's, it's insane. And it's just getting worse every single year. So the projection for not very far from now is, you know, way past half a billion people. And this is not only going to result in tons of suffering, it's also going to break the healthcare systems of the developing world. And, you know, that's not going to be a good thing either. So could it be because we give sick advice to people with diabetes? We tell them to base their food intake on exactly the starchy foods that raise the blood sugar, right? That's, that's really weird to me. And it's the same thing here if you look at the MyPlate. It's like sugar and starch, a lot of it. Probably you should stick to the vegetables and protein and some fat, which is not even in there, right? Uh, if you have diabetes. Interestingly, if you go back in time almost a hundred years, people actually knew something that we don't know today. Back then they didn't have drugs to hide this problem away. They didn't have, you know, this fear of fat. So they were free to, to use the diet that actually works for people with diabetes. So if you Google for this title, uh, Diabetic Cookery, you can read this book from 1917. It's just an example. There were tons of these books. Even in, in Swedish, we have, I know, a few of them, giving uh, just about the same advice. So this is a summary. To the left, you have the, the food that people are advised to eat. And to the right, you have the food that they are, are advised to not eat. Let's, um, let's start by looking to the right here. You can see that number one is sugar, number two is starchy foods, and then there is examples like flour, bread, biscuits, rice, and macaroni, which is of course pasta, right? So can you see uh, the header? Foods strictly forbidden. This is now the base of the food pyramid, the biggest area of the MyPlate guide, when, when diabetes is exploding around the world and people with diabetes are expected to get worse every single year and need more drugs and get complications. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. You know, that's, that's what you get when you eat exactly the things that you should not eat. So what were, were people advised to eat back then. Well, number one, you can see here butter and olive oil, and then a lot of cheese and meat and fish and eggs. And if you just add in a lot of vegetables to that, it's basically a, a modern low-carb diet, Atkins, LCHF, uh, keto diet, whatever you want to call it. And this is what I've been, the advice I've been giving to patients for nine years or more. And not everybody can do it. But out of those who, who, who can imagine changing, every single person has improved his or her blood sugar. Everyone. I don't know of any, any exception to that. And it's not, it's not that strange, because you, you eat less of the food that becomes sugar. Uh, it, it makes sense, right? 
So you can um, you can look up. There's actually quite a few studies about this. You can look it up uh, on our website if you like. I'm not going to show you a lot of studies because we don't have time for it today. Uh, you can check it out yourself if you like. What I'm going to show you is something I find even more interesting, which is that this is so clear that you don't even have to look through you know 10 or 100 studies. You can actually test this yourself in you know a day or two or even less. You could do two meals, two meals, and you test your blood sugar afterwards, and you will know. So this is food that I ate. Uh, I don't have diabetes, but I have blood sugar. We all have, so <laughs> you can do this. I know you can. Uh, this is food I ate uh, a few years ago, so it's meat fried in butter. You have vegetables fried in butter, and then you have uh, bernet sauce, which is egg yolks and butter again. So. <laughs> This is like the, the or a real nightmare for an old-fashioned dietitian. This is what they wake up in cold sweat uh, after having <laughs> dreamt about. But what will it do to your blood sugar? Let's have a look. I tested this thoroughly, and uh, I made this, this nice chart. So, you know, uh, blood sugar should be below 100, 110 or so when you're fasting, and then... Um, it can uh, go up after eating, and then uh, on the horizontal axis you have hours after eating up to six hours. So this is what happened. It was quite the boring evening for me. I you know, pricked my finger time after time and nothing happened. Stubbornly stayed down there. So I didn't eat more than a few grams of carbs, and no carbs, no sugar were going into the bloodstream, so blood sugar stayed the same. Quite clear, right? And then, as a contrast, same year, I went to the largest um, obesity conference in the world, the um, International Congress of Obesity. And uh, you know, there's 10,000 low-carb doctors and researchers going to some place every year. And uh, um, a few years ago, they were in Stockholm, Sweden, so I decided I have to go there. And this was kind of interesting. I, I was served at that conference the worst lunch I'd had in quite a long time. This is uh, uh, the lunch. And if you don't believe me, you can read the sign. It says International Congress of Obesity 2010 Stockholm, today's lunch. And this is all of it. And of course, we have tons of sugar in the, in the candy bar. We also have tons of sugar in the yogurt. There's like 12 grams of added sugar per 100 grams, so super sweet. And we have sugar in the apple with some fiber. And then we have pure starch in the sandwich. And of course, like me, perhaps you would have been hoping for something like fat and protein inside of the sandwich, but um, you would have been uh, a bit disappointed like me. <laughs> so it's supposed to be a tuna sandwich, but I can tell you this is a homeopathic dose if you're, <laughs> if you're low carb, so it really doesn't count at all. This is pure starch, if you ask me. Uh, so what happened to the blood sugar, do you think? I was shocked myself, actually. It went up to 180 in an hour and then it crashes. So it's like lower than before and then it stabilizes. So, yeah, that's, and I don't even have diabetes, right? If I did have diabetes, that, that could have been up into the roof for hours and hours, you know. 
damaging all the blood vessels in the body and leading to these complications you get in the long term, like dementia and, and kidney failure and amputations and all kinds of stuff. So it's a bit sad when you f see these brochures from the far, from, uh, that people get uh, from the doctor or their nutritionist. This one is in Swedish. It says, uh, food for people with diabetes. And when you see all that fruit, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> uh, not that fruit is necessarily the worst you can eat, but they say food that raises the blood sugar slowly is good, like fruit, rice, pasta, potatoes, and bread. <laughs> and they even say that it raises the blood sugar. So why would someone with diabetes have to eat stuff that raises the blood sugar? And who gives out these nice brochures, do you think? Of course it's a pharma company, right? And it all makes perfect sense then, because they sell drugs for lowering blood sugar, and then they give out free advice so people can eat and raise their blood sugar, so they need more medications, and the pharmaceutical company makes more money. Everybody else loses. And, and it, it's really, I mean, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory, it's just market economy, it's capitalism, right? Why would you ever take lifestyle advice from someone who makes its money, their money, selling drugs? They would be stupid to give you advice that made, you made, it, made it possible to get off drugs, right? They would go bankrupt. So why would you ever take lifestyle advice from them? I don't know. I wouldn't. This is the largest um, diabetes conference in the world in Vienna a few years ago. I went there and just for fun, I attended the lunch and here the delegates are getting lunch. What's in the bag, do you think? <laughs> and of course I had to test my blood sugar and you know, no surprises. Yeah. But there is, there is hope. You know, uh, last year I was at a low-carb conference in Cape Town in South Africa. And yeah, how many people attended? Anybody? A few people? Yeah. And uh, this is the food that they served, which I, I find, you know, I've never had this good food at a medical conference before. This is food at an obesity conference, food that makes people obese. This is food at a diabetes conference food that gives people diabetes and makes people with diabetes really sick. And this is food at a low-carb conference, so who gets it and who does not? To me, it's, it's clear. And some more people are starting to get it. In, in Sweden, this says uh, diet, uh, diet for Diabetes. And this is also from the National Board of Health and Welfare, uh, where they actually say that a, a, a a moderate low-carb diet can be a great option for type 2 diabetes in Sweden now. So it's, at least it's moving, you know. And, and if you want moderately good effects on your disease or, or your patient's disease, you can do a moderate low-carb diet. If you want extremely good results, you should probably do an extreme low-carb diet because that's how you get it. So 2008, they said in Sweden, you know, low-carb diets are compatible with scientific evidence and best practice. 2011, they said a moderate low-carb diet is, is great for diabetes. And 2013, they said if you want to get rid of obesity, a low-carb diet is more effective. So good things are happening. And it's not just Sweden, of course. But first, one more Swedish quote from another professor, last one. 
When all recent scientific reports are lined up, the result is clear. Our deeply rooted fear of fat has been a mistake. And you don't get fat from eating fat, just like you don't become green by eating vegetables. It's true. So here's a kind of cool um, things happening in Sweden. The, the obesity epidemic has stopped. Um, and this, of course, you, most of you have probably seen it. This is from 1984. This is from 2014. Eat butter. Scientists labeled fat the enemy, why they were wrong. So this is not just a Swedish thing. This is all over the world, and certainly in the US. It's happening all over the world. And this is why it's important. This is Mia Westerdahl, a Swedish woman, before and after she started the low-carb diet and got her sugar addiction under control, and she lost over 170 pounds. This is Marie Sermon, who didn't just lose some weight. She lost her type 2 diabetes. It's like gone. And this is Johanna Larsson, just one of, of a lot of young Swedish women who didn't, didn't have to be hungry to get rid of her excess weight. Uh, you, you want that for, for more people. So how do we help spread this to more people? Because there's you know, a lot of power in the status quo. There's a lot of money involved. Changing everything is going to make a lot of people lose a lot of credibility and money. So I think the, the change has to come from the bottom. At least start at the bottom. Can't expect it to come from the top. So how do you do that? We can do it... In, in many ways, what I, what I tried to do when I, when I got into this is, hey, let's start a blog, and let's see if, you know, we can get a few hundred people to read it, and that would be good. That would be like a good bonus for, for my, uh, not just working as a doctor, but actually helping some other people. So I started a Swedish blog called Cost Doctor, and it, it means Diet Doctor in Swedish, and, and uh, yeah, um, it, it, it's been an exciting journey because I really didn't know anything specific about, about writing when I started, and, and neither did I know anything specific about, about uh, how to dress, which could be in, in, important because many of the most popular bloggers in the world, including the most popular blogger in Sweden, uh, Kinsa, they, they do these you know, pictures where they show their daily outfits, and, and that's how they get a lot of traffic. So I thought, you know, if I were to do the same thing, for sure, for sure there would be a lot of traffic coming my way. It didn't turn out, you know, uh, so well to learn uh, by doing. Uh, so I had to get back sort of to, to what, I, what I know anything about, um, like diet and health and science and boring stuff like that. But still, you know, in a month, there were 500 visits per day to this site. So apparently, this is something that a lot of people found interesting. A year later, 5,000. And now, we started, I started with my coworkers. I started an, an English site. And, and now it's 100,000 visits a day. Uh, and actually, the biggest. Yeah, thank you. Trying to make low carbs simple. And it's actually the, the largest low-carb site in the world now and, and going up. So it's very exciting to me uh, to be able to, to possibly make a difference. That's what I want to do uh, because it has to be done. And, and this is, you know, Google searches for LCHF in Sweden. If you look at uh, in the U.S., it's, it's going up very nicely too. 
And if you look at low carb or you look at keto diet or something like that, it's, it's, it's going way up. So it's, it's, it's spreading all around the world. So, so what do you do? This is the clinic where I used to work for nine years, um, seeing one patient at a time. But what if you believe that there is an opportunity to actually reach a lot more people, a lot more than one person at a time? Can you still do this? Or do you, would you have to quit? I felt I, I had to quit, so I did uh, a year ago. I quit this job, stopped working as a doctor, and I focused all my energies on, on trying to reach more people and trying to make this simple for, for more people. And um, primarily through the, the English website. And, and then the, it comes the question, because really, even if you focus all your energies on this, you can't really change the world by yourself. It's not, I think, possible. But what if you could build an organization that can employ many, many of the smartest people in the world and make them able to do the same thing? So um, that would be something. But then you have to have revenue, right? And we don't want to show any ads. That's really not... I don't like that <laughs> at all. Uh, and we don't want to take money from like the food industry or pharmaceutical industry. We don't want to uh, be sponsored. We don't want to sell any products at all. So we decided instead we'll do like an optional membership. We have, everything is free. Even the member stuff is free for a month. And then if you stay for more than that, it's $9 a month. As we thought, that could, that could work. That's like Netflix. I love Netflix. Um, <laughs> can't be all bad. So... We, 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 we decided to try this, a lot of video interviews, movies, video courses, presentations like this. And a lot of people were saying when we started this that, you know, it's never going to work. Because online people expect everything to be free forever. And nobody is really going to pay for this. But they were, it turned out wrong. And after two years, we were getting close now to 17,000 members. So thank you, everybody uh, in the audience and everybody uh, around the world who <laughs> made, that, made that possible. It's, it's really uh, the chance of a lifetime. So what we're doing with, with that revenue, that substantial amount of revenue now, is, is we're trying to build an organization with the smartest people we can find, working together with experts around the world as well. And we have six full-time employees now, and we have a few part-time employees and about 10 or 15 freelancers, and we're working together with super smart, low-carb doctors. And we're going to build from this as far as we can get and try to make low-carb simple. And this is why. I'm going to show you, before I end this presentation, a short video. I'll just kind of start with the beginning. I always struggled with weight. I just need to tell people I have been on a number of diets. By this time, I was on two different diabetic medications. I used to really feel like the weight was like some kind of moral failing. It's hard. You know, it's hard because um, people are saying it's not good for you. You shouldn't do that. I had tried everything by the book. Here's another doctor. He's going to tell me I need to eat 800 calories and exercise an hour a day. Every diet I've been on, they always tell me, lower your fat. I came across the low-carb, high-fat thing. I tried it mm -hmm. for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I tried it. So what happened? Then the weight started to come down. And uh, in a year, I lost 64 pounds. And that is where I lost the most weight 
without being hungry. Two and a half years later, I went from 374 pounds to 139 pounds. No surgery. That's incredible. No surgery. It is. It's a miracle. My blood sugar all of a sudden was just rock bottom. Clicking my belt on the airplane. It's totally different. Totally different. It's fantastic. The energy. And then the other thing, which is why I'm so sure I won't be on antidepressants again, is the mental clarity I've gained. I think for me, the biggest benefit, more than the weight, is the mental clarity, the calmness. I don't feel so impulsive. I, I feel like work-wise, I can be more focused on projects and get through projects better. It's very hard, I think, to convince people uh, until they can prove it to themselves. I don't think of it as a diet anymore. It's a lifestyle. People are amazed at what I've done. So these people suddenly succeeded when they, when they tried this, and I know a lot of people in here have succeeded, but it's still, it's not simple to do it. It's still hard, and I think we need to make it simple because people who need this, they deserve that. And so it needs to be done, and it can be done, and, and that's it. it must be done to empower people everywhere to revolutionize their health. Thank you. Coming up next time on the Lima Mabita Low Carb Show, we'll have an investigative journalist and the documentarian of Vanishing of the Bees, her name, Miriam Herrian. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time.